Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Fireside Boxing Podcast. I'm Luke Hatch as always and um, yeah I guess we're having another Jesse Rodriguez fanboy week this week um, after his brilliant performance against Rissiketsu Rungabsai. You know I'm going to spend a fair old while talking about that and then I'm going to talk about Murajon Akhmadaliev at the end because he had a, a, an impressive performance on, on his own when he um, you know dominated and eventually stopped Ronnie Rios despite fighting most of the fight with, with whatever one broken hand so um, so I do want to talk about that at the end but uh, I'm, I am going to start off with um, Bam and his uh, domination of Strisaket's Aurora Versailles and you know how how that came about and uh, why exactly so many of us are so excited to see what he does next um, so yeah let's get started and going into the fight the main question was uh, was going to be setting aside okay I'm going to if open with this there is some talk about how the ring rust and the aging on Sriskets are wrong of side and um, you know how shot he was and all of that stuff and you know that probably did play a part that you know it's it's, uh, it's likely that 15 months out of the ring or whatever it was and he's 35 um, he isn't at his best but um, but nonetheless you can visibly see you know when you're watching the fight you can see the good things that Rodriguez did to diffuse the things that Rungvisai is best at and um, which left him you know he targeted exactly the things that Rungvisai really needs to be doing and that kind of left Rungvisai looking really limited and possibly more short than he was you know I think he was more short than he was so I'm going to talk about it you know in that respect like we can talk about you know in the long run we can talk about you know how this is going to translate against fighters in their prime or whatever but you know there, there were things that Rodriguez was doing that was specifically diffusing the things that Rungvisai was good at and I assume still is so I'm going to talk yeah like I say I'm going to approach the fight from that perspective and you know in order to do that I suppose I should uh, begin by framing what each fighter needed coming into the fight and what each fighter's strengths were um and, you know, let's start with... Uh, we knew that Rodriguez is footwork focused. He's a very slick mover. We knew that already. Um, there was some concern. My concern was... Um, well, firstly, he um, the idea... There was this idea that he was exchanging with Quadras a bit more than he needed to be, all things considered. Um, and that if he did that with the Rumvasai, who is obviously a very big power puncher for this weight, um, he'd get into trouble. Um, yeah, and the other concern was whether... I mean, it was a part of it was whether he'd be able to move around Rungvisai around he you know um SSR throws these really good corralling shots he's a really good intercepting fighter um and so the question was whether he's going to be able to move around him and also just deal with the timing and um you know that is the strength of Thrissiket's Rungvisai um the commentators were doing really doing him a disservice they were talking about his slow feet and um and he's you know just making him out to be a bit crude and all of that stuff and you know at first glance, compared to some, especially you know, some fighters, he can be. But um, there's a reason he fought, you know, on equal terms with uh, Chocolatito and Estrada, both, regardless of what you think the actual result of which fight was. And obviously, he did beat up um, Chocolatito once. Um, but yeah, he fought on equal terms with those, and you don't do that just by being crude but powerful. Um, you know, if you don't get the knockout. So, um, so yeah, so Tarisca so wrong for size. Strengths as a fighter for me have always been the first, the, the best, the, the his biggest strength is his timing, and the way he will 
approach a fighter, he he t- he looks like he's bull rushing cr- quite crudely sometimes. You know, I understand why people say the things they do, um, but he times those approaches really, really well. Um, often, as his opponent is stepping, just as his opponent is right off balance, either stepping or adjusting himself or whatever, um, so that they're not primed to move away or move around him. And um, and that was going to be the big question of the fight, whether Bam was going to be able to deal with that, because, um, you know, Estrada found it difficult and Chocolatito found it difficult. So um, Bam is much more defensively... Um, Footwork focused in in the sense that uh, Chocolatito's footwork is amazing, but he mostly uses it for pure attack. And Estrada is, you know, his footwork is also really good, but um, but he's you know he's not skating around his opponents the way Bam is. So Bam was going to need that to work for him, and that was going to be the question. And yeah, and whether he's going to be able to, if he did get caught, uh, or even not even if he did get caught, in order to get those best ankles, he needed to be able to get around the intercepting shots. Like I say, um, Rumasai throws these quite loopy shots, and again, that's something that you can see is quite crude if you want to. But I think it's important to recognise that his shots are only loopy when he needs them to be most of the time. And this is all talking about before the fight, and. It is also fair to say that his level's up and down, but I'm assuming he kept, you know, coming in at his best. Um, yeah, he had he has a line in basically stopping his opponents moving around him by um, by throwing these really these little loopy hooks and loopy shots and uh, you know these overhands that aren't quite straight. Just good, he was just good at stopping his opponents getting around him, and uh, Rodrigo's going to have to deal with that. And that was a big question, you know, aside from whether he could take the power. That question was answered pretty emphatically. Um, you know, yes, he could he could uh, deal with the timing and he could deal with the um, with the looping shots and he he was able to step around Rongsai and once he started doing that, then that's when Rongsai started looking really a bit limited because because um, yeah, once once you get past that, yeah, um, he he is he isn't the mover. Some you know people are he is he does have to sit down in the shots. He does get flat-footed once he's throwing. Um, it's very difficult to get around him, but once you do. Quite evidently, you can see what happened here. Um, so let's talk about that. Um, pretty early on in the fight, um, you know, Rodriguez started relatively. You know, he wasn't uh, by any means um, negative, but he was a uh, cautious in the first, you know, perspective. I'm talking about the first minute of the half, minute and a half of the fight or so here. Uh, yeah, he he basically drifted in and out, popping jabs and uh, turning and circling at range. You know, the thing that you do you get to punch her like Rungusai when you're trying to get your bearings in the fight. Um, but, it, yeah, against him, it's not easy, normally. Um, if you watch Estrada, both of the fights, but, um, you know, I'm thinking back to the first one. Yeah, Estrada had success uh, in the early rounds, doing, you know, pretty similar thing, but, um, but Estrada just needs a little more time, needs a little more, you know, when he, uh, he circles, he circles, but at the moment he... Um, sets himself to move in and out. He just needs a second more than uh, Jesse Rodriguez to set, to set himself, and that let um, that timing of Rungvisai get to him. You know, even in the rounds of struggles winning, he was getting tagged fairly solidly. You know, most most of the time, even when he was outboxing uh, Rungvisai uh, at times, because that that, that 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 first fight was really a game of adjustment, count adjustment. It was it was lovely to watch. Um, but yeah, you know, let's not go into that. The point being is that um, that Rungvisai's timing is really good. And his ability to to 
you know, I'll talk about his timing of him moving forward, but also his ability to time the counters when his opponent is sort of making those raids in and out. And all of a sudden, and Bam Rodriguez just didn't give him anything to work with, even in the first minute and a half. You saw him start to get frustrated and start to throw, you know, big, um, big, uh, off-balancing shots. Um, and, um, and you saw Rodriguez quite quickly be able to start to step around him. He started to get those reads where the shot would come. He'd uh, he'd bait the shot. He'd start to, he he'd throw out throw out a movement. You know, not even necessarily a shot. Sometimes it was a jab, but sometimes it was just a movement, um, and start to bait that that um, that rush and step around it. And that was really you know that was the moment when you start you could start thinking okay, this is this could be something special because that's very difficult to do to anyone. It's very difficult to do to someone of wrong size level. And he started doing it from a minute and a half in. Um, it was a dangerous game. And um, if you look at the, you know, if you watch the first round, um, at, at just about one minute 30, he, he, he catches him off balance, he catches wrong off balance and then spins him. But then the next time he tries to do something like it, he gets caught pretty solid. And so he spent, you know, he backs off a bit and goes back to getting his reads. Um, we talk a lot about that, you know, getting your reads. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, downloading information and what have you. This was a pretty clear example of uh, Rodriguez just sitting there um, using what, you know, letting Rong Psy, um throw at him, um, getting out of the way and just seeing what the timing was like, what his speed was like. Um, so, you know, a few shots he had to take. He, he wasn't intending to take them, but when he take a shot, um, you know, you sometimes you have to feel the power and decide whether you can take it or not um, before you can fully decide what you're going to do in the fight. Um, and... And yeah, so that, that was what the first round was about. And then at the end of it, he, um, I think it was about 45 seconds left. He, um, he did it again, basically, um, span around, ducked under as, um, as Rodriguez was coming in, caught him, caught him from a blind angle, basically, and, um, fully knocked him off balance. And yeah, Rungvisa clearly didn't like that. He wasn't hurt or anything. He was just like, you know, this is a, that's uncool and started, uh, more aggressively pushing. More consistently, because this is the thing about um, Rungvisar. You know, if you uh, heard the commentators talking about him and all of that, you might get the impression that he's this sort of relentless, non-stop aggression fighter. Um, but he is about timing. He is about uh, managing the moments. You know, he isn't constantly throwing. He's throwing when he sees an opening. And uh, but here, pretty early on, he got a little frustrated and started pushing harder. You know, just a bit harder than he's comfortable with, just because he had to. Um, and there is, a, you know, I do want to highlight something about Rodriguez's uh, feet. This is going to be a little bit hard to talk about because it's quite hard to describe, and it's frankly, it's not, uh, it's not that even that easy. I mean, you know, I'm not making this up, but it's not that easy to see. They're difficult to define, but um, but the way he sets his feet. What doesn't say his feet, as the case may be, it's very hard to read what movement he's going to make um, from any given stance that he's in. Because, well, there's two reasons. Firstly, his feet are never still anyway. Um, let's make it three. Um, his, firstly, his feet are never really still anyway. He's constantly back and forth in both feet, you know, um, shifting his weight over them. And I think this part of the thing, he shifts his weight over his ankles and all of that, um, so that it makes it difficult to read where he's going to be able to push off to. Uh, and that is an important part of intercepting, you know, even if an opponent isn't consciously looking at your feet, because that's not what's, you know, not normally what's happening. Um, but the, the way your stance is set 
there's only a certain amount of mood you can make from any position that you're standing in plausibly and just the way Rodriguez um, uses his feet makes he's leaving his options open as much as he can I mean there's a couple of things that are and it's hard to talk about uh, the first thing is um, he's never he tries to avoid settling we, we talk about um, you know fighters setting down on the punches or not setting down on the punches uh, what Rodriguez tries to do is um, he's often heavy heavier on one foot than the other which you know might seem like you're like it's a recipe to be off balance but, uh, but that's only true if you're so heavy on one foot that you can't f recover onto the other one if you need to you know if, if you're so heavy over one foot that you can only move in one direction but um you know, he does it in a way that uh he's able to shift back shift his weight onto the other one very quickly if he needs to and that was a big part of um, him being able to shift away you know as um as part of how he was able to bait those rushes he looked like he was heavy on the front foot and then rodriguez um, and rungso would come in and he'd shift his weight back so he didn't even really need to move his feet much um to be away from the power shot um but even before that shift, you know, oftentimes he avoided the need to do that at all, just by essentially moving in a different direction than he thought, think he's going to be able to. This is, I told you this was going to be harder to find. Um, just watch the first round. Spend the first round watching when you can his feet um, and the movements that he makes off any stance. Like it, um, he shapes to pivot off the front foot and then he's moving off the back foot. It's essentially the footwork version of disguising your punches and we talk about foot feints all the time but oftentimes when we talk about foot feints even the really good ones it's um you know you shut you you, sh you shuffle your front foot a little bit and then you move the other way you know you you, you move that uh um you move your front foot you move it back you go another way you take a different step or you move your front foot and then you take an extra step um that kind of thing and you know rodriguez is doing that as well but a lot of the time his foot fainting and you know i'm not saying he's magically the only person who does this this is just a good way he's just really really good at it and it's a good way to talk about this um yeah he'll he'll uh come in a certain way look like he's um he's taking a certain stance and then just shift his foot slightly you know he won't move his foot as in take a step he'll just shift his foot slightly and that shifts his whole center of balance shifts his whole stance and then he can do just do something completely different than Rungvisai was expecting and sometimes it's you know little things um he'll just move at a slightly different angle sometimes it's big things like you think he's going to pivot off his front foot and then suddenly he's moving off his back and spinning off that way so yeah that's just something he's really really good at and that was the basis of the performance that Rungvisai that Rungvisai's timing was just completely off um put you know put off the freaks he couldn't get his reads because when he did think that he had Rodriguez where he wanted um, he was just not in that same position uh, yeah he, like I say um, even in the times when he did close distance then Rodriguez was able to shift back and then even you know and after that there were you know because Rodriguez um, because Ring of Sight is really good there were times when he did get into range um, and then that was the next part um, the next thing that's special about Rodriguez is everything about him is so in sync um, so if the footwork didn't get him out of trouble in this fight and probably more in this fight than Quadra's fight and um, that is a mark for him in and of itself um, his foot his head head movement and his upper body movement here was um, just so smooth and not just smooth but smoothly connected to his feet there's no hesitation like if um, if he's trying to get out with his feet and then if that doesn't work he is immediately covered up moving his head bobbing and weaving um, 
and taking the sting off the shots that way if you had has to avoiding them at all if he has to, if he can you know there's just no hesitation in between the two phases for him um which sometimes even in the top fighters you do see like um i, I talked about it with uh stephen fulton a couple of weeks ago and Fulton's clearly been working on it and he's becoming much better about this but there was a while when he was working through this where there was a hes- you know but like i said um his movement between phases was not as good as his work in each phase. Um, and Jesse Rodriguez doesn't have that. He basically, there is no, there's no gap. There's no, there's no Jesse Rodriguez, um, you know, how he is inside and how he is moving. Basically he's moving all the time. Even when he is, uh, static, even when he's sitting his feet, he's ready to move. There's no, there's no difference. There. Even when he's moving his head, he's ready to move his feet. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that just makes him, you know, dub- doubly hard. It just makes it, it's going to make it really hard for anyone to nail him down. And I'm not saying it can't be done, you know, I don't want to say he's a unspeakable, unbreakable wizard. Um, you know, he's, um, he's, a, he's a, attracting comparisons to some very specific fighters, um, Orlando Canizales, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, and he is, he has a long way to go before he, you know, he has fully proved he's on that level. But, um, but this kind of thing makes me think, yeah, he probably is. And I will say this, um, Sarusikant Sarumbasai is uh, very good making it messy in the clinch. Um, Rodriguez, clearly not really about that. Um, and there were a few times when Rodriguez managed to get himself in and uh, Rodriguez was, com- uh, when Rumbasai managed to get himself in and Rodriguez was completely unashamed about just holding and shoving back. Like he'd hold, he'd hold on, grab hold and push um, Rumbasai back so that even if he did manage to break free, he wouldn't have himself set. So that's not a pretty side of the game, but it's uh, necessary. Um, it is a thing, yes, um, that um, if he does fight um, Estrada or Chocolatito, he is going to be probably in those close pocket and clinch exchanges more often than Rumapasai managed to make it. And um, and that's something we'll, you know, we'll see how he deals with that because it wasn't a... His plan here was to not get into them. Was to even when he was fighting in the clinch, and he was, you know, in the inside, really in close. Um, it was to get in and out quickly. That's where he differs from Lomachenko. Lomachenko loves being in really, really close. Um, and uh, um, this is, you know, something I've described him before as he's a uh, he, he, he fights a mid-range fight at a really close range. Whereas um, Rodriguez is fighting at sort of middle range. That's his ideal. You know, skating around at the middle range. And um, and yeah, when it got in a little bit closer, um, he's got a little bit more open. He took a few hard body shots. He gave some of his own back. That's something that's a, that was a also a key part of this fight. Um, they were both targeting the body, and so that meant well. Firstly, he was good at quite good at defending it, but again, there were moments when Rungvisa he's just really you know Rungvisa is really good, and there were moments when he managed to get past, but he never let it go unanswered. Rodriguez. Um, and I would say um, this fight also gave us pretty definitive proof, and I think it was always going to, that he does know, he does take a shot well, and I don't just mean that he's got a good chin or whatever, um, but that he keeps his mind, he keeps his cool even when he's hurt. Um, that um, a moment in round two, a little way after the, just after the um, halfway mark, um, if you start watching halfway, it's about five, ten seconds after that, um, where... Rodriguez, um, where Rungvisai comes at him, he throws a couple of shots there with, then he lands a good hard right hand to the body. 
and it clearly hurts Rodriguez. Like he clearly sort of curls up around it, but he still has a presence of mind to know that the follow-up shot is coming. The big left hand. So he, um, so he basically he does a, a, what you know what I was talking about before. He just shifts back, like just a little shift. He is not moving away. He just shifts back, and the hand the big shot whiffs. In this particular occasion, he didn't punish it. He was hurt, but um, immediately with his hands up, you know, well protected, he leans into room of time, pushes him back to prevent him following up that attack. Basically, give himself a second to recover um, from a shot that definitely hurt him to the body. Um, and again, he's pushing Rungu Sai back to prevent himself setting his feet, which, again, is fairly standard practice. Uh, if he can do it, it's just hard to do, and it's really hard to do it against Rungu Sai. Um, and yeah, he was just really good at timing that all the time. Um, yeah, and he also got, as the fight went on, more and more, um, as he got more confident in... I suppose he got more confident in being able to take the shots, so he felt more able to take the risk of taking one, to make one miss badly, um, to step around. And, you know, once he got to stepping around, um, he didn't fall into temptation to just throw it to the head. Some of his best shots, again, were slip around and just whack the body from a really sharp angle around the outside. Just really hurtful gut shots. Um, that started taking it out of um, Ring of his eye. Like, even quite late in the fight, I mean, late in the fight, or even, yeah, in the middle round, the commentators kept talking about how... Uh, the power isn't affecting, uh, the power isn't that effective at this way. He, you know, he needs to be careful, and obviously he needs to be careful. But, um, yeah, every time he landed a solid body shot, Rungvisai reacted, you know, often he stepped back, and even if he didn't, it, you could see him jump. So the power was telling. And, you know, that's the case with body shots, really. That's, uh, if you land a perfectly placed body shot, it's always going to, you know, it's very hard to, to take one of those. So, so it was a good, you know, it's a good plan, and it's uh, it was a risky one because competing for body shots with a sort of ring size uh, is a tough ask. And there were a few, t- like I say, there were a few times um, where where ring side did make um, um, jump his own right, but um, but he was never able to follow up on that. And uh, you saw it again at the end of the fourth round. What I was talking about before um, with the proper reactions to being hurt and you saw it again at the end of the fourth this is right before the clapper you can see it um, after the clapper um, right before the bell um, it's that that shot where Rungvisai and this is speaks to a little weakness in Bam's game where Rungvisai does get, the, get, get does get him inside and he managed to get his um, get his arm up and lands a shot to the body under his um, under his arm um, and Rodriguez clearly feels it backed off and he's still clearly feeling it but he still defends the follow up shots and he isn't phased or freaked out or panicking he does the right thing he moves away he doesn't try to bang it out um, and that's just a really good thing for him to have in his locker it's something that um, yeah you 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 don't find out until you're in the fire and in this time you know he was in with one of the most dangerous punches uh, you know probably the most dangerous puncher at this weight um, and yeah he can he can take it he can uh, even when he's hurt he can react properly and that's just a good thing to know about a fighter so anyway, moving on. I would say round six. Uh, possibly the end of round five is a key moment because they have another exchange. Um, and Rodriguez wins it, basically. He hurts Rungasai more than he is hurt. And I would say that is when he started. To, he decided um, to up the pace a little. Essentially, again, it's a risk calculation. At this stage, um, I can hurt him. Um, I am able to risk getting hurt to throw my bigger combinations, push the tempo, um, 
because I think I'm going to hurt him more than he's hurt, he's going to hurt me if he does catch me. And so in round six, he did start pushing the tempo, throwing more. And there were occasions when he did fall in and um, get caught um, and get wild on in the body. But um, but each time, Rungvisai was clearly taking more damage getting there than he was delivering as he landed. And um, and even again, even when he did get there. Um, the commentators did uh, finally notice this. <laughs> I uh, I didn't have a great. I'm not going to go into it, but I didn't have a great deal of time for the commentators in this one. To be honest, they uh, just contradictory commentary. You know, you start off saying, "Oh yeah, um, Rodriguez needs his time to get into it," and then later on, it's, um, "Oh yeah, Bam needs to get out of the early rounds." Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, not 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 ideal, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah. The point is, they, they were pointing out as well um, the shifting. You know, he got confident in. He got more confident and he did it more often where he do it on purpose, essentially, where before I was saying that sometimes Rungvisai would um, get inside and he'd shift back and use that those um, that shift in weight to make him fall short. Um, now he'd um, do it on purpose, allow Rungvisai to get close, shift back to avoid the shots, and sometimes he wouldn't shift back enough and he'd take the shots. But um, a lot of the time he'd avoid the shots and then he'd let go again. Um, or he'd, um, yeah, and that was him up in the tempo up in the, you know, essentially the pressure, not a pressure fighter, but up in the mental pressure, the tempo, the volume. And uh, yeah, from I think from round six, he was chasing the knockout, essentially. Um, you know, it wasn't going to be a one-punch knockout, but he wasn't pushing everything to the punches. He was just um, taking more risks in order to land more shots that were eventually going to tire him out, tire Rungvisai out. And this is when we started seeing the real flash stuff, the you know, really sidling around him. But we also just saw he was really effective in this stuff from early on, with just a one-two with a jab and an overhand lift. Which um yeah, it was this he'd throw this he'd throw a jab and then come in with a sort of looping, almost a hook but not quite overhand left, um, which came around Rung Vasai's guard. And he did that a lot, and it was one of the key punches of the fight because every time he did, that was one of those things that took advantage of Rung Vasai's stance and that took him off balance basically every time it wasn't it wasn't a shot that was um, necessarily hurting Rung Vasai but it would push him further off balance than basically any other shot that was thrown in the fight and that was just not comfortable you know no one likes being pushed off balance and um, something I've talked about before I was talking about a few weeks ago with um, Haney um, stances being set up to take more you know boxing stances being set up to cover off every angle um, and Bam just found you know he did a lot with stepping around and really taking Rungvisai out of a position but he found a lot of success with just this one shot that he I don't know if they found it in um, if he figured it out on the night or if he um, if they saw something in video but um, this one throw a jab to, to just to occupy attention and I come around with this um, with this left hand and it was something that Rungvisai just wasn't set up to take very well and it wasn't hurtful hurtful it wasn't like i was talking about with haney um where he seems to get hurt more by shots than he should be but he's definitely moved more by just that one shot this isn't you know a haney situation where um where there's a few things you know i don't want to talk, i'm being ungenerous to haney here it's that one shot that was really just um i don't know Maybe it's just something that he figured he wouldn't have to deal with very often. So, I mean, I suspect this wasn't a conscious decision to allow that one angle um, to be open. But just uh, the way, he, yeah, it's clearly the way he set up to take other punches. And he has a very good stance to to deal with damage. Um, wrong with her, you know, he's a, he's a very hittable, but he's very hard to, um, you know, 
really hurt with the shots, even when he is a bit off balance. Um, There's another thing with the commentary, commentary sort of um, irritated me because I kept banging on about long ties. Um, you know, he throws really hard and he takes himself off balance. And yet, to some extent, that's true when you throw really hard. You are vulnerable after you do it. But he is good at being at recovering he's good at covering that off um, and it was it was a really good performance for Bam to bait him so hard that that didn't show because he um, Rung Vasai you know stays within himself when he's throwing those power shots um, yeah and again like I say it was uh, it was the footwork and the movement of uh, Rodriguez that got Rung Vasai so desperate that he was lunging himself off um, and even then he wasn't that vulnerable you know until really late until he started getting tired um, he wasn't that vulnerable but when he did start getting tired, he did start getting vulnerable. And I think that is also when Rodriguez uh, maybe also felt comfortable pushing the tempo. Um, yeah, because, um, yeah, and the reason to note this right hand that I noticed, you know, a very smooth uh, progression for me there, um, is that that left hand, that big overhand left, um, where, which moved uh, Rodriguez, which moved uh, SSR off balance. That was basically the set up for a lot of the really damaging shots later on because earlier on he'd move off balance um but he'd come back into shape later on he'd take longer to come back into shape and that if you watch round seven and especially round eight the finishing sequences just before or just the whole of round eight really um the really hurtful shots are the ones that land he lands that left hand and then he comes up often usually with the right hand but sometimes with the left um with varying shots different shots that take Rodriguez that take SSR as he's recovering or just as he set himself and he thinks he's recovered and but he hasn't got ready to move the next one and so he'd come up he'd hit him with that left and he'd come up with an uppercut afterwards or he'd hit him with that left and as he's moving back uh, to center he'd wait for him to stand up straight and then clip him with the right and come back again with the left and just be constantly off balancing him and that sort of a cumulative effect uh, sort of um builds on itself because before he was just that just that was off balancing him and it takes energy to recover from that the more you're off balance the more energy you are spending recovering and he basically from around seven and eight he just uh, from around six onwards he just started getting really exhausted very fast um, he was having to make pretty big exaggerated movements to keep up and to recover and he was spending yeah essentially he was spending more energy recovering than he was um chasing rodriguez and the more rodriguez sensed that the more he could do and so it just built and built and built until that round eight stoppage um which was basically just a row of overhand left right coming after it overhand left right coming after it which by that stage rodriguez didn't have the wits or the energy to deal with it and that's why the ref had to step in yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic performance. It was brilliant. And, you know, people were going to talk about here how um, SSR was shot. Um, you know, he may have been, but um, like I say, I hope that the preceding half hour has given you some kind of, you know, um, appreciation for just the things that he clearly was doing. Yeah, there are things to work on. Um, you know, his inside game needs work. His confidence there is good. Like the, the, the coping, the coping skills are good, but at some stage he's probably going to have to get even better because the thing is i'm making a big deal out of this his uh his high guard he has a good active guard and all of that um it's all very good but um but there are fighters who are good at manipulating that sort of thing um and staying in that pocket better than room is that room is very good at getting there and then damaging you but um but you can move away from him and uh you know though he will fight fighters uh, rodriguez who will test that more 
but at the same time testing that will give him openings to counter so so i'm not by no means calling it a you know one-sided i'm not, not by no means saying this is a you know a, a massive hole in his game it's just something to keep an eye on um and yeah that just that just that foot i mean the footwork it starts from the feet and um you know the feet and the knees and the legs it just starts from the you know from the feet up he's brilliant um and uh yeah it's look i'm just gonna i'm just really excited to see what he does next um, you know he's um they're talking about going back down to a one-on-two but we'll see um there is some chat because his brother joshua franco fights um fights at superfly and you know maybe they will let his brother have the big shots um he's supposed to fight Estrada. i don't know there's some complications here um to do with mandatories i don't know but um so they, you know, that um, there's some thought that um, Rodriguez will move back down and take on the Titleists at uh, 112, while Superfly, while his brother works on the Superfly, and then he'll move back up in future. We'll see what happens. It's hard to know, and boxing politics will, to some extent, dictate what fights he can take. But um, it's going to be super exciting to see where he goes. Rodriguez side sort of coming to the end of his career. I hope he gets a couple more paydays. Um, you know, I hope he has an, other good fights where he fights well, just to give us more context. And, you know, just to see. Well, if he has other fights and he fights well, then that makes this win even more impressive. Um, so, just for that reason. But also, I just like him as a fighter, and he's cool. And um, but I hope he sort of winds down with dignity. And if he has another fight and doesn't fight well, you know, I don't want to see him pushing it too far. Um, but yeah, that's that for that fight. Um, I mean, it's not that for that fight. It could talk about it all day, but um, but well, I've been talking for half an hour, so I'll uh, wind it down. And yeah, the other fight of note on the card. Well, there was a women's title fight between um, Jessica McCaskill and Alma Ibarra, which was a little odd. Ended with Ibarra quitting on the stall after round three, complaining about holding. It was odd, but I don't really have a lot to say about it. So you know, I'm not going to. Uh, instead, I'm going to talk about the other men's title fight. Um, between Richon Akhmedaliev and Ronnie Rios. And this is at um, light featherweight, it's 122 pounds. This is um, Stephen Fulton's division, which uh, makes for um, Akhmedaliev versus Fulton for a potential unification, a really interesting fight, which we hope will happen, but um, will depend on promoter stuff. So fingers crossed. Anyway, um, Akhmedaliev, he's, um, if you're not familiar with him, he's, He's 27 year old, he's um, Uzbek, um, you know, with a good amateur record. Uh, he got bronze at the Rio Olympics um, before, um, where he uh, he lost in the um, in the semi-finals to Rebeza Ramirez. And he's also got a silver medal at the uh, at the Worlds. Um, and then he, you know, he, he turned over after the Rio Olympics. Um, he's had 11 fights as a pro and he's, you know, he's a, he's a champion. He won the belt against Danny Roman two years ago, and you know he's defended. This is the third defense of it, and um, I would say I have had some concerns with him before. Um, he's clearly an impressive fighter. Um, I have had some concerns about or well, two things. Um, firstly, his defense. He's one of those fighters whose defense is very based on positioning, and and to some extent on interrupting his opponent's movements with his power and. 
there was, and my concern was that a really concerted pressure fighter who could take that power and get through it or skill his way through it might cause problems. That concern wasn't really addressed in this fight because Rios wasn't able to do that. Um, but my other concern was that he had a tendency not to punish mistakes that opponents were making. Um, and that concern was addressed in this fight. And this was a really impressive performance in that respect, especially since um, he broke his he broke his left hand, his power hand, he's a southpaw, um, early on in the fight, and he fought a lot of the fight one-handed, and he was still able to push on, push in on Ronda Rios and put a beating on him and stop him in the 12th round. And that was something that I had had concern with him before, and he really, you know, I think he set out, he wasn't proving it to me, the, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think he set out, I think he'd heard those criticisms just generally going around, and seemed like he'd set out to prove that wrong because from quite early on he was really um i mean at some points he was really swinging from the fences which was unusual for him because um because it isn't something he does um normally um would say and maybe this comparison to my head just because um as i'm recording this we've heard that mikey garcia is retiring and um akmedaliev just kind of reminds me of him a little bit in the sense that generally speaking um, he's about perfect form. He likes to have his um, all his movements be, you know, exactly right. Um, and he works really well behind a jab, and you know, all of that kind of thing. He's a, a intercepting fighter. He's very good positionally, all of that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, he. Um, I th- I felt like maybe he was giving up. Um, he was to use the you know hoary old phrase um he was letting the uh and perfect be the enemy of the good and um in this fight he very much wasn't doing that um some to some to some extent maybe too much but um i can't criticize a fighter for you know seeking to push through his comfort zone um and yeah he was basically trying to punish rios for his mistakes and um, and that was good to see and yeah and it's always good to see um it's always impressive to see a fighter hurt his hand that badly and work through it. Um, when you can deliver a performance with basically one hand and it not be one-dimensional, that's always impressive. And it's also something, you know, if you can do that with your lead hand under duress, do it all the time. Um, it's one of the reasons I like Kunten Akitani, um, is that his lead hand is very varied and... Quite frankly, I think it will do um, Akhmedaliev good, and maybe it's something that will give him confidence in the future um, that he's this good with his lead hand. You can use the threat of your left to disguise. You know, basically, it's a it's a tool in his box that we now know he has that he can use his lead hand. You know, in the future, even if he doesn't have to, it's there for him. He's he's got a lot going on with that with that lead hand, and yeah, his positioning is very good. He's a very accurate puncher. Um, his timing is excellent. Um, watch out for him jabbing over, well, not jabbing, um, punching over Rios' jab. This is a Southpaw versus Orthodox matchup, so open stance, and um, you'd see it. Um, you know, Rios was trying to close distance behind the jab, and um, Akhmedalia would basically just sort of um, fade back and then, or fade, uh, slip to the side of it and come around over the top of it and that just kind of really discouraged Rios from moving in on him and that's what I mean about his defence being you know um, dependent on movement and interrupting shots 
basically Rios' plan was to try to get close and you know he was able to land on um, on MJ on Akmedalev when he um when he did you know when they got into exchanges um just not consistently and so I will be interested to see how Akmedalev handles that sort of thing against you know Fulton that's the fight to make but um but it's you know he's going to be a very difficult guy to do that too because yeah he's just really he's a really solid puncher He's a hard puncher, he's an accurate puncher, and his timing is excellent. So it's just going to be really difficult to find your way through him because because one of those things makes it hard to get a fighter having all three and then having the footwork to be able to move on out. Uh, it's just going to be really, really difficult. He just, you know, he's just really technically solid, um, well put together, you know, exciting. He's not a... He's not a like um, tear it up warrior, but um, he's in an exciting fight, so he doesn't he doesn't let fight his you know die. Um, he like I said, pre- uh, I had previously had concerns from that he does sort of let opponents get away with mistakes, and again, he was um, he was seeking to punish Rios here, um, and yeah, it was just look uh, a good a good tidy solid textbook sort of performance. He's one of those you know almost almost typically former Soviet. Um, Almost archetype, archetypally, archetypical, whatever. He's almost the archetype of the um, former Soviet sort of um, model of fighting. You know, get your timing right. Have a variation on the punches. Um, that's a little thing. You, I'm not qualified to talk about in depth, but the way of um, changing the angle of the punches by changing the arc of the punch itself over the idea of changing the angle of the punches with your feet and your head movement. And obviously, the best fighters do both. Clearly. Um, and uh, you know, Akmedalev clearly has good footwork. Um, his head movement's fine. He's he's more one of those guys who is about again positioning. His head movement is not flashy. It's just hard to nail down. He's usually off the center line. He's hittable, but it um, like I was talking about with Rungzai earlier. Um, he's when he takes a shot, he's usually moving with it. Um, you know, again, um, this, the former Soviet. State, um, you know, amateur type boxers are really good at that. Um, Golovkin is, you know, an archetypal example of, um, you know, being able to take a shot and move with it. Um, Akhmedaliev, you know, fits in that mold. Um, yeah, he's just going to be a really difficult guy for anyone to, you know, to deal with because to beat him, you have to put pressure on him, and to put pressure on him, you have to live with his power and his accuracy, and that's just going to be hard, um, even for someone as good as Fulton. I would favour Fulton in that fight just because he has way more variation in what he can do. Um, but but like I said, when he fought before, even now, even though he's clearly been working on it, um, I think Fulton does make um, just little errors in transition between phases, and Akhmedaliev may be the fighter to catch him in those moments and hurt him in those moments. Um, so yeah, it would just be a you know it would be a good fight to see. Um, you know, a couple more words just to sum up um, the performance and how Medalev is. Um, because I compared him to Mikey Garcia before, I would say one uh, note of difference is that um, I was always a little bit sceptical, a little bit critical of uh, one thing about Garcia in that he was good at, he would use lateral movement, obviously, but it was sort of a separate thing to the rest of his game. He'd He'd circle, 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 and then he'd stop moving and out, jab. Rakhmedalev doesn't do that. He's very, he's a very good um, lateral mover. That was a lot of the problem um, Rios had, is that he couldn't get close because um, Rakhmedalev was circling behind the jab, um, and he had an excellent jab. Like I say, excellently dad, excellent jab. Um, 
yeah, and he's just in poise all the time. He just has really good balance. Um, like I was talking about with Batman earlier, um, not to the same sort of uh, subtlety of constantly being able to do something different to what you know he does what you'd expect him to just with really good timing but he has that thing where um as an opponent comes in he can hold his ground keep his feet still and shift back um make a shot fall short and then punish him for that um but he does also you know back off circle and turn him he doesn't do the really sharp turns of um um taking angle and, and you know he's he's not you know i don't want to spend the whole time comparing him to bam that would be unfair he's a completely different fighter um but yeah, he's, he's just really smooth. He's a smooth operator. Um, yeah, um, we'll see whether he can beat Fulton. Um, the winner of that fight will be, I would suggest, top 10 pretty much unquestionably. He's just he's just a cool, smooth fighter. He's like, he's that kind of guy. He's he's cool under pressure. He's um, technically nearly flawless. You know, it's, he, he does, he's reasonably minimalist, um, which again is sometimes a criticism of him. But um, it's good to see him trying to do more. And yeah, it's just he's just neat. He's just tidy. He's good. Um, he may be very, very good. He's definitely at least very good. We'll see. You know, that's my ranking. So super awesome. Very good. Good. Whatever. He's he's a good fighter. He's good to watch. He's fun to watch. Um, he's good. He's worth looking out for. And if he fights Fulton, that will be you know appointment viewing for boxing fans. Um, other things from the weekend. Um, I can't really talk about because. I was travelling. I, I made time for this fight, but it was a uh, for these for this um, these two fights. But, um, but there were a couple of things I know that happened um, in England. Sabington fought Primitive Zisk um, for ooh an RBO title at Super Welter or like middle whatever you want to call it. Um, Four pounds. Um, by all accounts, it was a good fight. That was a sort of back and forth, or possibly tale of two halves. Um, I'm going to have to catch it up. I'm just mentioning it because, um, well, because it happened and because apparently it was quite good. But the reason I'm really bringing up the card is because um, there's a British prospect who is in the very early days, um, but he's already, well, he's garnering some hype. He, he was in his fourth fight, Adam Azim, at um, £140. Um, he's just, he just looks really good, to be honest. Um he fought a guy, Anthony Loffett. Um, he's Belgian, it looks like. I'm not super familiar. Well, I'm not familiar with him at all. But um, yeah, he's had one loss before. Other than that, had a, you know, he's fought at a decent level. Well, no, he hasn't. I mean, I don't know. Um, but yeah, basically the point is Adam Azim looks really good. And it, he has to step up soon because he's just basically, he's smashing through guys that are not necessarily easily smashable. And he needs to, I mean, he... I think he called out, um, he he said already that he's going to be at uh, the top level within a year. I, like, I doubt that. Um, it would be incredibly unusual for someone to be moved up that quickly, that fast, but um, in England. Um, so, you know, some, some, some nations maybe, but uh, not in England, but he looks just really sharp and he's just worth looking out for. Basically, is what I'm saying. He's a counterpuncher, um, clearly a fan of Nassim Hamid. Um, also a fan of Amir Khan, who was there at this fight and um, gave him the seal of recommendation. But he doesn't really fight like Hamid. He's not a high volume puncher. He is a, um, you know, hard, powerful um, counter puncher. Um, and yeah, this the fight he fought was thirty seconds. Was um, just about a minute long, uh, and was essentially over after thirty seconds. But essentially, I just want to highlight. If you see the highlights, um, it's just a really sneaky thing he did just about on 30 seconds um, but you know fortunately highlights you'll see it where he threw an overhand 
left as a feint and through the uppercut coming under it at the same time. Like it was really sharp. It was really quick. Um, and you know that sort of thing will be risky at high levels, but it's also if he pulls it off. It was just such a quick feint. The, the shot came, the uppercut came so quickly after the feint that it was essentially the same movement. And um, and you know there's not a lot to go off on him so far. Just you know what his strengths and weaknesses are apart from you know being really really fast and really powerful. Um, but just that kind of thing is makes him a fighter worth keeping an eye on. Like just that kind of disguise put on shots. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye on Adam Azim um, as he moves up the ranks. Other than that, yeah, like I say, I didn't get to watch all of the fights this week because I was travelling, so I haven't got too much more to say. So I will leave it there. Um, next week is um, not a very busy week. Um, we're sort of coming to the lull in this. You know, we've had this great run of fights for the last three months. We're coming to a lull. Mara. Mara Myris Breedis is fighting versus Bataya. I'll take a look at that fight in the previews. Um, I can't say I'm familiar with the Bataya right now, but I'll have a look. Um, it's not super hyped, this fight. And then in England, we've got um, Joe Joyce versus Christian Hammer. You know, it's not a great fight, but um, you know, Hammer's been around. Um, Jason Cannon versus Zolani Tete um, for a Commonwealth fight. That's a good one. And um, Callum Johnson... It's also on that card. Uh, yeah, that's, I'll take a look at, I'll do a preview of those. Um, you know, again, I'm not promising 100%. I said I was going to do one last week and didn't, but I was uh, um, in England visiting family then, and now I'm back in Germany. Um, so I should be able to put one together. Um, yeah, um, that's goodbye from me. Um, follow me at Crafty Boxing uh, on Twitter. Follow the fight site at the fight site. Um, you know, get on our Patreon. Um, get on the fightside.com reader articles that's where my previews are found um, and yeah get on our Patreon to get um, exclusive exclusive access to our Discord and to our um, a few exclusive little um, um, on various different sports I should always note this um, I'm I'm, the, I'm a boxing guy but um, we cover basically all fight sports and you will get exclusive little breakdowns alternate commentaries just things like that if you um if you sign up for a patron as well as it, um, access to the Discord where you can chat with you know all of our analysts and guys and a bunch of other like-minded um, fighting fans. So I will see you next week. Have a good one.